And so I think that does get me at least a little bit back to the whole idea of when the um, the controversy arose about. And so now I'm going to give my version of the facts, which the two of you can correct because I wasn't a first <laughs> sure. person listener mm-hmm. on any of this. But I understand that there was a sermon that was given at the crossing mm-hmm. that some people found to be offensive. Mm-hmm. And somehow, and I'm not sure how, word of that from people who either heard the sermon and talked about it with others or who whatever reached into the larger community, the community that did not attend that church. And at that point, there were some objections raised Mm -hmm. to funding relationships and sponsor relationships, not just with Ragtag, but with some other places in town. Okay, that's what I think I know. Mm -hmm. Tell me where I'm wrong and give me sort of your perspective. Um, No, I mean, I think that that's accurate. I would say in addition to being offensive, there were people who found it to be very harmful. Um, I, yeah, I'm not, I don't know, generally, I guess I'm not sure what else to say about it other than, I mean, unless you have specific questions. Well, I Um, I think it takes, and Chris, you look like you want to say something, so talk. Oh, no, no, (laughs) sure, sure, sure. No, I I just want to say, yeah, that there was a a transphobic sermon was delivered Mm by a pastor at the crossing, um, one of the values that this organization has is that it cares about inclusion. Uh-huh. Uh, that's dear to us, and it cares about creating a safe environment. Uh-huh. And so we that means a safe environment for the trans community of mid-Missouri mm-hmm. and abroad and filmmakers and what have you. And so I think there were calls to the community. I think it was amazing that the community came together to help us demand to make sure that it was a safe space. And I think that's what you're referring to when you say that people in, in various other communities heard about the sermon. They, there was a petition that was formed because there was a, a love from this community, I think, that was like understood the importance of, of True False, the Ragtag Film Society, being a safe environment uh, for all. And so I think that's where that petition came from. And um, and then the, the, the sponsorship relationship dissolved as a result of that. Yeah, I, um, I guess I would also correct myself in not saying I'm not sure what else to say and saying I there's a lot more that I could say. And right. so I would need more. <laughs> uh, well, and, and I didn't want to I didn't want to have this conversation focus entirely on this. But sure. I know that when the partnership with the crossing started, and I'm using mm-hmm. the words partnership with air quotes, even though we're on the radio so no one can see them. Um, <laughs> it, it The notion was that this was a group of people for whom some of these conversations might be difficult and it might mm-hmm. be difficult going both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to sort of put that out there. And then at the same time, because they're a sponsor, they're giving you money. Right. In this day and age, it's hard to walk away from money. Um, that takes um, courage of a certain sort and also an ability to think, well, if we walk away from this, we're going to be able to get some version of that level of financial support from someplace else. Not the easiest thing to do either. So can you talk right. to me a little bit about those components? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a hard decision. Um, I would, Although on some level, it was also an easy decision. We, mm-hmm. knew, we, knew, that, we knew that that day was going to come. It was just um, a matter of when, uh-huh. honestly. Um, I guess the the financial aspect of it, I'll say, you know, having talked with David Wilson quite a lot about it, he has said to me um, personally, and I don't think he would mind me saying this here, <laughs> that he what he realizes now is that there never really should have been a financial component to it. And in a lot of ways, that was sort of the objection is that they're, um, you know, not 
not necessarily that we are working with with churches, you know, or an evangelical Christian church, a conservative evangelical Christian church. Um, it's not necessarily about bringing those people into our spaces, it's more about um, providing a platform. And that was, that sort of, is, it was ultimately my objection to it was, you know, this is not, as an organization, we're not really um, interested in providing um, marketing and a platform to, to a values-based organization. Okay. Um, Chris, you're also nodding. Are there things else you want to add? I think, Camille, you just touched. I mean, if you have other specific questions about it, more than happy Okay. To, uh, well, I mean, so I come at this a little bit from the from the viewpoint of a university professor where mm-hmm. we have donors, you know, sure. me meaning mm-hmm. the journalism school, yeah. as donors who want to say, I will give you money if you do X, okay, right. mm-hmm. what, you know, whatever X is. And I think there's always that tension in sure. those sorts of relationships, you know, is, is um, who's driving this mm-hmm. bus and on what road and with what map. Right. And so it's 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 always that. Sure. And I mean, in this particular case, um, I, the the way that the sponsorship was set up, um, there there wasn't really driving from from mm-hmm. the crossing. So, I'll, you know, definitely give them credit for that, that they were always just sort of like we believe in what you're doing, here's some money. Uh-huh. Um, with the True Life Fund film, what ended up happening there was it was more a matter of do, they they would watch the film before we announced it. So uh-huh. we would sort of winnow it down to one or potentially two options and we would give them our top choice and they mm-hmm. would watch it. And at that point they would be given the option of saying, yes, we can stand behind this, we're going to continue forward with this, with sponsoring the True Life Fund film, or no, we don't feel like we can get behind this film for whatever reason so we'll sponsor some other part of the festival uh-huh. um i don't i believe maybe there was one time when they just didn't really like the film very much and i mm-hmm. don't know what film it was and wouldn't say even if i did uh-huh. um <laughs> and so then it that ended up um resulting in what i think you know at least david and paul would have said was a better true life fun option would you agree um, chris that that is what ended up yeah. happening, and that it. Uh, I mean, this is in the New York Times, but I think I can comfortably right. say right. that it was the the film that ended up uh, being the selection that year was The Interrupters. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um, so. Um, so yeah. So that was the only time that that really happened, and it you know obviously ultimately ended up in them continuing to support the True Life right. Fund that year. So there was never there was never a situation where they said, "Oh, well, the issues here are too controversial for us." Mm. That wasn't. Um, that wasn't something that they were, that they seemed too concerned about, honestly. And I, you know, I was fairly removed from the conversations with them, so I'm. Well, that's kind of sometimes my... being one step separated mm-hmm. is it can can be an advantage. Sure. You know, you got yeah. a little bit of a little bit of distance. But so going forward this year, there mm-hmm. will be a true life film. Oh, absolutely. They um, the way this is something that was a little bit confusing for people. The way the sponsorship worked, their money. The, the money from the crossing was not going directly into the True Life Fund. It uh-huh. was going into our operational expenses. Okay. And so all of the money for the, from the True Life Fund, that is all coming from donations. There's been uh-huh. some foundational support there, but mostly it's been from individual donations. Chris, you wanted to add? Well, do you want us to also just contextualize what True Life Fund film Absolutely. is in the first oh, yeah. place? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good point. Uh, you know, 
the films that we exhibit at the festival are frequently or always collaborations between not just a director and a crew, but also with the people participants who are on screen. Right. Um, and so those participants don't get paid usually or acknowledged like financially for the kind of sacrifices that they're making. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this fund is a way to do that. And so we, uh, screen a film and uh, afterwards raise money for the subjects of the film to acknowledge what they gave up to make this film possible. Um, and Camelia mentioned earlier, there are multiple people beyond just the programming team that are involved in that decision. And I think it's because when you're going around and you're going to you know, fly subjects in and have them stand in front of a room and ask people to give money to them, I think you want to get as many perspective as possible mm-hmm. before you do that, lest you all flat on your face or something uh, for selecting the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and those so, conversations so. are always really interesting, just mm-hmm. trying to figure out, like, oh, what um, what are people going to respond to the most? What are, pe- what are people going to um, – what might people – uh, not res- re- or respond to negatively. Is there anything in here that we feel like could be um, difficult or problematic? So those were really interesting. Yeah. I, I enjoy being part of those conversations. Yes, and I, I was going to say, and as as a person in the audience, what I what I am on the re- receiving end of is this is our true life film, and if you want to give money, there's a bucket, you know, when you right. leave, mm-hmm. and you can you know you can donate that way, and I, at, at least the one that. That comes to mind now. I think the film was called Steps, but it was about a high school dance team. Um, that wasn't oh a true yeah. life fund film. It actually. wasn't. No. Okay. Um, I don't remember what it would be that year. Okay. I, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Sorry. <laughs> I, I still remember that, that film. Yeah. So, yeah that, that was the opening night film for the Yeah, year. yeah. Um, yeah, I think of the the film that I will always reference for this is the uh, the look of silence, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, in the, the film about the Indonesian genocide and the there, it was a which uh, is a situation in which uh, there are a the the actual murders that happened are not really talked about publicly um, in a way, and so the film is following this this man named Adi Rakun as he goes around and interviews uh, people who murdered his brother, um, and so. He was the subject. He had to relocate his entire family after that movie to a completely different part of the country. And so we raised money, and he used that money to uh, help open up a new uh, optometry shop uh, called Optic Columbia uh-huh. um, yeah. as in, in honor of the, the money that was raised from this community. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's I think the selection of that is tricky in part because the sort of language and com- like conversations that we have in the programming room about what movies we exhibit, tend we tend to resist movies that – ever position anyone as a hero, quote unquote, because yes. people are more complex than that. Yes. And so uh, you usually it's it's hard to raise money for people who are not painted as quote unquote heroes. So um, <laughs> and so it's it's kind of this tension where we're trying to find a film where we actually admire the person, but they're also not just painted as this flat, simplistic hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Look of Silence is a movie that I think qualifies is like a it's a genuine act of bravery on behalf of the subject. But right. um, I don't think he's also flattened into like a simple hero um yeah. yeah so there will there will be that that film this year yes um mm-hmm. and has that been selected yet no, no. okay i'm not i'm not we, gonna we ask if you'll to, break it here i'm just no, saying we, we okay. aim to announce that in january okay we, we are early in that process right. <laughs> right. i start early with a raised eyebrow that means lots of watching and talking between now and then right yeah. yes okay well in the last few minutes that we've got i want to i want to talk a little bit about how the both of you see 
both the evolution of the mm-hmm. festival itself, but the evolution of documentaries. And I wanted to start out with the bad word, which is money, because I know that at one point nobody ever made any money on a documentary. Mm-hmm. And then that started to change, and now some of them have become really quite profitable, and some of them are quite wonderful, and those two things don't always overlap. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about you know where you see documentary or films based in reality, Chris, to kind of give you your phrase. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, how, how, how you see that evolution going. I mean, if five, minute, five years from now, what kinds of stuff are we going to be asked to be thinking about or in what different ways? Um, you know, I will say, I should preface this by saying that one of the things I love about this job is that I don't have to get too caught up on the marketplace uh, that funds documentary because mm-hmm. uh, Columbia, Missouri resists that documentary. It breaks the narratives of that marketplace every single year because the marketplace does not tell you that you can have 1,200 people gather on a Saturday night to watch documentaries about like, you know, the one child policy in China. Like right. that's just not a thing <laughs> that the documentary marketplace would tell you is possible. So I, I like am just been fortunate enough that I've been like was able to grow up within this festival that like resisted that so but in turn I I realized that the marketplace is a thing that exists and has an impact also (laughs) on what movies we do and do don't get to see um so where is it going I don't I can't I don't really I have pessimistic views whenever I do marketplace analysis because I don't see a lot (laughs) the marketplace doesn't usually like point towards imagination and the arts there's like this kind of like butting of heads between Mm -hmm. uh people who have imaginations in a market so um you know the market is telling you right now that you should be making a true crime film um really and okay (laughs) this that one (laughs) crime sells um you know always yes yeah And, you know, the other films that you're finding have success. You, you have to make a movie about a celebrity. If you make a movie about a celebrity, the market like the market will reward you. You know, just like there, it points towards these cynical trends, I think, rather than ones that are exciting. But there are artists who are always out there who just because it's in their gut, they, they do something different. And that's what we're looking for at the festival. I guess part of it is, is what will ultimately be successful. But I was thinking more along the lines of just the level of financial heft that you have to get in mm-hmm. order to make the film. Right. To buy the camera, to buy the right kind of camera, mm-hmm. um, to um, get access, which is not always easy. Um, you know, from the journalistic perspective, I know that a lot of archival material, still photographs, is being bought up right. by mm-hmm. corporations or a particular corporation. And so all of a sudden, things that we've gotten for free because it was public domain, now we're going to have to wind up paying for. Mm-hmm. So how do you see how do you see that changing? Or do you see it changing? Chris, you're looking at me quizzically. No, 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 no. Sorry. I'm just trying to not mess up this answer. Um, (laughs) Cameras are, I mean, they're getting cheaper to some degree, actually. Yeah, because I, on my phone. Which Mm -hmm. is an, that's an exciting thing. I think one of the, is anyone who has any kind of role as a quote unquote gatekeeper, I think it's really important to lift up low budget films because Mm -hmm. I think the more and more you exhibit films that are made at this like million dollar threshold, the more that that starts to be kind of like defined as what's like the, the what everyone should be aspiring towards. Uh-huh. Um, that's what is considered quote unquote beautiful. Um, a and million so, dollars is a lot is money a lot of people don't have and yes. will never right. have. Yeah. And you have to start relying on channels and making concessions when you start operating at that budget mm-hmm. line. So I think it's important 
important yeah to try our hardest to locate work that is made at a like level that people who don't have access to those resources uh can do yeah. so i think you will find that work at the festival i think if you i think it's been a concentrated effort actually the past few years to try to like spotlight work that is made at that lower budget level and um, i would add you can definitely find that at ragtag cinema as well one of my favorite series there is the uh homebrewed series which uh-huh. is um Usually happens in June, I believe, and there's four films that are low budget films made in the United States or made by by Americans. So they're they're always really great and um, films that you wouldn't get an opportunity to see otherwise. So I, I appreciate that both projects of the Ragtag Film Society are really committed to that. Okay, um, so what about in terms of so you said things that the marketplace is, is is pushing us towards. Are there places that you think we would like to push ourselves towards? I mean, if you could sort of set out the path, what would it what would it look mm-hmm. like? Um, I mean, sorry, I'm just saying what I want to see as a viewer right now that I'm not encountering very much of. I that's think, okay. Uh, when it comes to stuff that's made out of reality, I find it strangely there's not very many. I really struggle to find things that show the beauty of the world more than mm. they do. That's this maybe sounds corny, and I kind of hate myself for saying that. But <laughs> oh. like the the documentary marketplace tends to fund things that are spotlighting everything that, that's ugly about the world, and it's it's kind of like I I think that we need to see more things that make us laugh sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. So sorry, that's just like a, a plea from a programmer who has to fill out a 38-slot program and like wants to... Well, so yeah, I'll give that. you a plea from an audience member who talks to a lot of audi- other <laughs> audience members, which is I always try to, to make the last movie that I pick at the festival something that mm-hmm. I think is going to make me smile mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. because I've been weeping for the previous three days or right. wringing my hands or getting angry mm-hmm. or occasionally just getting completely befuddled. I mean, all of those all of those things sort of happen. But, you know, the, the, the films that I think I remember best from Ragtag are like 20 Feet from Stardom, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the, the film about Yo-Yo Ma and the Silk Road. Um, those are the things, the films that I remember as as beautiful and and at the same time as insightful. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would encourage you, please program one so that my friends and I can find a place to go on Sunday night where we'll say, yes, okay, now I feel better about things. (laughs) Um, What else did you, what else are you seeing in ways of of trends? Oh gosh, Um, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I don't don't think so. I have a four-year-old, so I don't get to spend that much time watching films. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, you know, in, uh, in thinking about uh, beauty, one that came to Truefall, I can't remember, I think it was not last year, but the year before, Hale County this morning, mm-hmm. Hale County this evening, mm-hmm. which, you know, was not necessarily, like, funny or uplifting, but it was really, really beautiful, and so I, I would love to see more of those kinds of films as well. Um, just something that I could just sit and, and have wash over me um, and just, you know, make me think, but not, like just bring me down <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean there and i as always i think it's 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 different strokes for different people sure yeah you know we're always amazed when our friends and i get together and compare what we picked and going well ours such certainly are different than you know yeah. than theirs and then yeah. there's all this cross talk 
Um, yeah, that's one of the nice things about the fest. And I was thinking that earlier that, um, you know, there are sort of tracks within it that mm-hmm. you can, you know, it would be very easy for you to say like, oh, this year there's more, there's another, it's another year of family films, but there might be somebody else who says, no, 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 it's totally different. It's this. And that's, yeah. a, that's a cool thing about yeah. Falls. So in addition to the films, okay, there's also the music, which yes. we learned to enjoy. Talk just a little <laughs> bit about, I, I mean, I know why that happened initially, but mm-hmm. how has that changed and grown and is it are now when we're inviting buskers do they want to come in the same way that directors and and producers do yeah i mean i think you know it depends i think less less that's less so than less true than with films because we're a film festival we're not a music festival so there's sort of less knowledge that it's a great place to come as a as a musician um but certainly i think that 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 that's there um I think, you know, probably one of the biggest ways that um, the music part of the festival has evolved is in providing the the music showcases that happen on, you know, throughout the weekend, um, which gives musicians more of an opportunity to do a full set with an audience right. that's that's um, really engaging with them in a way that doesn't necessarily happen before films. Um, I think, too, our music team has been really... Um, intentional about how they are programming the music. They, you know, think a lot about, um, um, you know, going back to the the idea of inclusion. They think a lot about like what what the slate looks like mm-hmm. in in many different ways, yes. not just in you know the diversity of the musicians themselves, but the diversity of, of the, the music. Yes. and um, you know they want to make sure that there's a little bit of something for everybody. I think in uh-huh. a lot of ways, um, and they have there's I believe five of them who are curating that, and they they have a wide range of tastes, so that's really helpful. <laughs> and do 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 you find that once folks have been here as as musicians or as buskers they want to come back mm-hmm. or is this more like a one-stop no, gig now i'm gonna go they, do something generally else. they want to come back and you know it's our our music team wants them to come back but also wants to change things up so there can yes. be a little bit of tension there so yeah mm-hmm. okay so you've talked just a little bit about how we treat people once they're here but I think we're all really curious about how do we treat people once they're here. You talked about flowers in rooms and picking people up, I'm assuming, at the Columbia Regional Airport or perhaps Kansas City or St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Are there other sort of special things that uh, that True Faults tries to arrange? Like do two directors want to talk to each other? Do you mm-hmm. try to make sure or, or do they take care of that on their own? Um, well, I mean, I think in a general sense, one of our one of the cornerstones of what we do is providing a, a hospitable experience, uh-huh. not just for our guests, but for everybody. Right. We want everybody to be enjoying themselves. Um, so we think a lot about how we're bringing in um, filmmakers and musicians and visual artists and um, and how we're treating them while we're here and making sure that they have what they need and um, that they're getting to go to the things that they want to go to. So we spend a lot of time helping make sure that, that, that that's going to happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, I... I don't know for 100% sure that we connect filmmakers when they want to be connected, but I would imagine we, that happens. No, we, we, we do that yeah. for sure. And we also, uh, I will say, we have a, a 
program called Pay the Artists, where mm-hmm. all feature filmmakers who you know give time out of their lives to come join us and have conversations about their movies all get a stipend, an appearance stipend, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to the support of a number of different donors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that kind of distinguishes us from almost mm-hmm. every other festival. Okay. And of course, we pay our musicians and, and, and visual artists as well. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I know often at, at other festivals, I have a friend who's son got a film accepted at slam dance which mm-hmm. i won't go into but he, he had to pay for right. folks to come and for the publicity and all the rest of that and true false has sort of flipped that dynamic pretty much yeah, on its we, head we um we make sure people can get here we help that we <laughs> yeah. help people get we we fly in all of our filmmakers and musicians and artists and provide them with with lodging as well and we fly in the press and have a publicist mm-hmm. to help do that kind of work mm-hmm. so that they don't have to dedicate resources to it yeah, okay so, i was so. gonna say there there's an ethics issue there and i'll walk away from that for just a bit. <laughs> um, if you're flying in the new york times we need to talk after the show um so I guess my last question is, how much bigger can this get? Or have we sort of reached the size where there are no more seats for people who want to go to films? Yeah, I mean, we we do increase the number of passes a little bit every year, but it's pretty small. At this point, what I would say is that we're interested in increasing the depth rather than the breadth. Um, we want to continue to doing to do the quality programming and and education programs and all the other things that we do. We want to continue to do do those things well and spend more time thinking about how to do them better. Uh, so that's that's my goal going forward. But yeah, passes are still on sale and you can still get one for now. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I, I guess one of the questions that I have, not that my eyes or my knees can take more, is but is there thought about adding on another day? I know there's a pre there's a, a conference before usually on Wednesdays. Um, but is there, has there ever been thought about adding another day or is it, or is I don't think no. so. Okay. I could see a world in which we maybe add another venue at some point. Uh-huh. Um, but whether or not that happens depends on whether or not there's another space venue. that works. Yeah. Yes. Because we are very committed to it being a walkable festival. We, yes. we, uh, are have to be pretty selective and and, and, walk, in and walkable in the snow which is not always right. easy mm-hmm. but it was it was last year yeah okay well this um i guess i want to conclude by saying is there something i should have asked you all about the festival <laughs> and how it happened or what's coming up this year that i didn't are there last things other than yes you can still buy a pass um that we want to we want to tell the listening audience i would get i guess i would add um that you know we are a nonprofit. you know true false and ragtag cinema are part of one nonprofit, the ragtag film society um we can always use support from our community and really appreciate the support of our community we have a como gives campaign so you can donate this month to come through the our Como Gives campaign. Um, and I would also um, add that if the other way to to support us and to to donate to us is by being a volunteer. So if you want to get involved and help us out, um, go to our website, truefalse.org, and you'll click on the volunteer button and, and away you sign go. up. Yeah. Okay. Chris, anything else you want to add? No, uh, if, if you're interested in being on our volunteer screening committee, just like put in your calendar to check back in in August or something because we always want more people and, and to be from the community to be a part of that. Okay, so, uh, so yeah. volunteering is good. Um, donations are good mm-hmm. this month, but I'm assuming every other as yes. well. Yes, yes. Um, and volunteers for screening. It's, so anyway, all right. 
again, I want to thank both of you for taking a lot of time out of your day to talk to us and bring us a little bit up to date on what's happening at True Faults, which is an event this community really does love. So I, I think it, it will be appreciated that you were willing to do this. Thank you, thank for you so much us. for having us. Okay. <laughs> this is Lee Wilkins for Thinking Out Loud.